0: Chapter twenty three of A Sportsman's Sketches This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Tavarish. A Sportsman's Sketches by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. A living relic. O native land of long suffering land of the russian people Tuchiv. a french proverb says that a dry fisherman and a wet hunter are a sorry sight never having had any taste for fishing i cannot decide what are the fisherman's feelings in fine bright weather and how far in bad weather the pleasure derived from the abundance of fish compensates for the unpleasantness of being wet but for the sportsman, rain is a real calamity. It was to just this calamity that Yermalai and I were exposed on one of our expeditions after grouse in the Belovsky district. The rain never ceased from early morning. What didn't we do to escape it? We put mackintosh capes almost right over our heads and stood under the trees to avoid the raindrops. The waterproof capes, to say nothing of their hindering our shooting, let the water through in the most shameless fashion, and under the trees, though at first certainly the rain did not reach us, afterwards the water collected on the leaves suddenly rushed through, every branch dripped on us like a waterspout, a chill stream made its way under our neckties and trickled down our spines. This was quite unpleasant, as Yeromolai expressed it. No, Podor Petrovich, he cried at last. We can't go on like this. There is no shooting today. The dog's scent is drowned. The guns miss fire. What a mess. What's to be done? I queried. Well, let's go to Alexeevka. You don't know it, perhaps. There is a settlement of that name belonging to your mother it's seven miles from here we'll stay the night there and tomorrow, come back here no not here i know of some places beyond alexevka ever so much better than here for grouse i did not proceed to question my faithful companion why he had not taken me to those parts before and the same day we made our way to my mother's peasant settlement the existence of which i must confess i had not even suspected up till then at this settlement it turned out there was a little lodge it was very old but as it had not been inhabited it was clean i passed a fairly tranquil night in it the next day i woke up very early the sun had only just risen there was not a single cloud in the sky, everything around shone with a double brilliance the brightness of the fresh morning rays and of yesterday's downpour. While they were harnessing me a cart, I went for a stroll about a small orchard, now neglected and run wild, which enclosed the little lodge on all sides with its fragrant sappy growth ah how sweet it was in the open air under the bright sky where the larks were trilling whence their bell-like notes rained down like silvery beads on their wings doubtless they had carried off drops of dew and their songs seemed steeped in dew i took my cap off my head and drew a glad deep breath on the slope of a shallow ravine close to the hedge could be seen a beehive, a narrow path led to it, winding like a snake between dense walls of high grass and nettles, above which struggled up, God knows whence brought, the pointed stalks of dark green hemp. I turned along this path, I reached the beehive. Beside it stood a little waddled shanty, where they put the beehives for the winter. I peeped into the half open door, it was dark, still, dry within, there was a scent of mint and balm, in the corner were some trestles fitted together, and on them covered with a quilt a little figure of some sort. I was walking away. Master, master, Pyotr Petrovich. I heard a voice, faint, slow and hoarse, like the whispering of marsh rushes. I stopped petrovitch come in please the voice repeated it came from the corner where were the trestles i had noticed i drew near and was struck dumb with amazement before me lay a living human being but what sort of creature was it a head utterly withered of a uniform coppery hue like some very ancient holy picture yellow with age A sharp nose like a keen-edged knife the lips could barely be seen only the teeth flashed white and the eyes and from under the kerchief some thin wisps of yellow hair straggled on to the forehead at the chin where the quilt was folded two tiny hands of the same coppery hue were moving the fingers slowly twitching like little sticks i looked more intently the face far from being ugly was positively beautiful but strange and dreadful and the face seemed the more dreadful to me that on it on its metallic cheeks i saw struggling struggling and unable to form itself a smile you don't recognize me master whispered the voice again it seemed to be breathed from the almost unmoving lips. And indeed, how would you? I am Luceria. Do you remember who used to lead the dance at your mother's at Spaskaya? Do you remember I used to be leader of the choir, too? Luceria, I cried. Is it you? Can it be? Yes, it's I, master. I, Luceria. I did not know what to say, and gazed in stupefaction at the dark motionless face with the clear death-like eyes fastened upon me. Was it possible? This mummy Luceria, the greatest beauty in all our household? That tall, plump, pink and white, singing, laughing, dancing creature? Luceria, our smart Luceria, whom all our lads were courting, for whom i heaved some secret sighs i a boy of sixteen mercy Lucaria, i said at last what is it has happened to you oh such a misfortune befell me but don't mind me sir don't let my trouble revolt you sit there on that little tub a little nearer or you won't be able to hear me i've not much of a voice nowadays well i am glad to see you what brought you to Alexeyevka? lukerya spoke very softly and feebly but without pausing Yermalay, the huntsman brought me here but you tell me tell you about my trouble certainly sir it happened to me a long while ago now six or seven years I had only just been betrothed, then, to Vasily Polyakov. Do you remember? Such a fine-looking fellow he was, with curly hair. He waited at table at your mother's. But you weren't in the country, then. You had gone away to Moscow to your studies. We were very much in love, Vasily and me. I could never get him out of my head and it was in the spring it all happened well one night not long before sunrise it was i couldn't sleep a nightingale in the garden was singing so wonderfully sweet i could not help getting up and going out onto the steps to listen it trilled and trilled and all at once i fancied someone called me it seemed like vasya's voice so softly lusha i looked round and being half asleep i suppose i missed my footing and fell straight down from the top step and flop on to the ground and i thought i wasn't much hurt for i got up directly and went back to my room only it seemed something inside me in my body was broken let me get my breath half a minute sir seized and i looked at her with surprise what surprised me particularly was that she told her story almost cheerfully without sighs and groans not complaining nor asking for sympathy ever since that happened Luceria went on i began to pine away and get thin my skin got dark walking was difficult for me and then i lost the use of my legs altogether i couldn't stand or sit i had to lie down all the time and i didn't care to eat or drink i got worse and worse your mamma in the kindness of her heart made me see doctors and sent me to a hospital but there was no curing me and not one doctor could even say what my illness was what didn't they do to me they burnt my spine with hot irons they put me in lumps of ice and it was all no good i got quite numb in the end so the gentlemen decided it was no use doctoring me any more and there was no sense in keeping cripples up at the great house well and so they sent me here because i've relations here so here i live as you see lukerya was silent again and again she tried to smile but this is awful your position i cried and not knowing how to go on i asked and what of Vasily polikov a most stupid question it was lukerya turned her eyes a little away what of polikov he grieved he grieved for a bit and he is married to another a girl from glinoya do you know Glinaya? it's not far from us her name's agrafena he loved me dearly but you see he's a young man he couldn't stay a bachelor and what sort of a helpmeet could i be the wife he found for himself is a good sweet woman and they have children he lives here he's a clerk at a neighbor's your mamma let him go off with a passport and he's doing very well praise god and so you go on lying here all the time i asked again yes sir i've been lying here seven years in the summertime i lie here in this shanty and when it gets cold they move me out into the bathhouse i lie there oh who waits on you does anyone look after you oh there are kind folks here as everywhere they don't desert me yes they see to me a little as to food i eat nothing to speak of but water is here in the pitcher it's always kept full of pure spring water i can reach to the pitcher myself i've one arm still of use there's a little girl here an orphan now and then she comes to see me the kind child she was here just now you didn't meet her such a pretty fair little thing she brings me flowers we've some in the garden there were some but they've all disappeared but you know wild flowers too are nice they smell even sweeter than garden flowers lilies of the valley now what could be sweeter and aren't you dull and miserable my poor lukiria why what is one to do i wouldn't tell a lie about it at first it was very wearisome but later on i got used to it i got more patient it was nothing there are others worse off still how do you mean why some haven't a roof to shelter them and there are some blind or deaf while i thank god have splendid sight and hear everything everything if a mole burrows in the ground i hear even that and i can smell every scent even the faintest when the buckwheat comes into flower in the meadow or the lime-tree in the garden i don't need to be told of it even i am the first to know directly anyway if there is the least bit of a wind blowing from that quarter no he who stirs god's wrath is far worse off than me. Look at this again. Anyone in health may easily fall into sin, but I'm cut off even from sin. The other day, Father Alexei, the priest, came to give me the sacrament, and he says, there's no need, says he, to confess you. You can't fall into sin in your condition, can you? BUT I SAID TO HIM, HOW ABOUT SINNING IN THOUGHT, FATHER? AH, WELL, SAYS HE, AND HE LAUGHED HIMSELF, THAT'S NO GREAT SIN. BUT I FANCY I AM NO GREAT SINNER EVEN IN THAT WAY, IN THOUGHT, LUKERIA WENT ON, FOR I'VE TRAINED MYSELF NOT TO THINK, AND ABOVE ALL, NOT TO REMEMBER. THE TIME GOES FASTER. I MUST OWN I WAS astonished you're always alone Lucaria. how can you prevent the thoughts from coming into your head or are you constantly asleep oh no sir i can't always sleep though i've no great pain still i've an ache there right inside and in my bones too it won't let me sleep as i ought no but there i lie by myself i lie here and lie here and don't think i feel that i am alive i breathe and i put myself all into that i look and listen the bees buzz and hum in the hive a dove sits on the roof and coos a hen comes along with her chickens to pick up crumbs or a sparrow flies in or a butterfly that's a great treat for me last year some swallows even built a nest over there in the corner and brought up their little ones oh how interesting it was one would fly to the nest press close feed a young one and off again look again the other would be in her place already sometimes it wouldn't fly in but only fly past the open door and the little ones would begin to squeak and open their beaks directly i was hoping for them back again the next year but they say a sportsman here shot them with his gun and what could he gain by it it's hardly bigger the swallow than a beetle what wicked men you are you sportsmen i don't shoot swallows i hastened to remark and once Luciré began again it was comical really a hare ran in it did really the hounds i suppose were after it anyway it seemed to tumble straight in at the door it squatted quite near me and sat so a long while it kept sniffing with its nose and twitching its whiskers like a regular officer and it looked at me it understood to be sure that i was no danger to it at last it got up went hop hop to the door looked round in the doorway and what did it look like such a funny fellow it was glanced at me as much as to say wasn't it funny to satisfy her i laughed she moistened her parched lips well in the winter of course i'm worse off because it's dark to burn a candle would be a pity and what would be the use i can read to be sure and was always fond of reading but what could i read there are no books of any kind and even if there were how could i hold a book father alexi brought me a calendar to entertain me but he saw it was no good so he took and carried it away again but even though it's dark there's always something to listen to a cricket chirps or a mouse begins scratching somewhere that's when it's a good thing not to think and i repeat the prayers too lucario went on after taking breath a little only i don't know many of them the prayers i mean and besides why should i weary the lord god what can i ask him for he knows better than i what i need he has laid a cross upon me that means that he loves me so we are commanded to understand i repeat the lord's prayer the hymn to the virgin the supplication of all the afflicted and i lie still again without any thought at all and i am all right two minutes passed by i did not break the silence i did not stir on the narrow tub which served me as a seat the cruel stony stillness of the living unlucky creature lying before me communicated itself to me i too turned as it were numb listen luceria i began at last listen to the suggestion i am going to make to you would you like me to arrange for them to take you to a hospital a good hospital in the town who knows perhaps you might yet be cured anyway you would not be alone luceria's eyebrows fluttered faintly oh no sir she answered in a troubled whisper don't move me into a hospital don't touch me i shall only have more agony to bear there how could they cure me now why there was a doctor came here once he wanted to examine me i begged him for christ's sake not to disturb me it was no use he began turning me over pounding my hands and legs and pulling me about he said i am doing this for science i am a servant of science a scientific man and you he said really oughtn't to oppose me because i've a medal given me for my labours and it's for you simpletons i am toiling he mauled me about told me the name of my disease some wonderful long name and with that he went away and all my poor bones ached for a week after you say i'm all alone always alone oh no i'm not always they come to see me i'm quiet i don't bother them the peasant girls come in and chat a bit a pilgrim woman will wander in and tell me tales of jerusalem of kiev of the holy towns and i'm not afraid of being alone indeed it's better ay ay master don't touch me don't take me to the hospital thank you you are kind only don't touch me there's a dear well as you like as you like luceria you know i only suggested it for your good i know master that it was for my good but master dear who can help another who can enter into his soul every man must help himself you won't believe me perhaps i lie here sometimes so alone and it's as though there were no one else in the world but me as if i alone were living and it seems to me as though something were blessing me i'm carried away by dreams that are really marvellous what do you dream of then Luceria? that too master i couldn't say one can't explain besides one forgets afterwards it's like a cloud coming over and bursting then it grows so fresh and sweet but just what it was there is no knowing only my idea is if folks were near me i should have nothing of that and should feel nothing except my misfortune Lucaria heaved a painful sigh. Her breathing, like her limbs, was not under her control. When I come to think, master of you, she began again, you are very sorry for me, but you mustn't be too sorry, really. I'll tell you one thing. For instance, I sometimes even now... Do you remember how merry I used to be in my time? A regular madcap. So do you know what? I sing songs even now. Sing? You? Yes, I sing the old songs. Songs for choruses, for feasts, Christmas songs, all sorts. I know such a lot of them, you see, and I've not forgotten them. Only dance songs I don't sing. In my state now, it wouldn't suit me. How do you sing them? To yourself, to myself, yes, and aloud too. I can't sing loud, but still one can understand it. I told you a little girl waits on me, a clever little orphan she is. So I have taught her four songs. She has learned from me already. Don't you believe me? Wait a minute. I'll show you directly. Luceria took breath. The thought that this half-dead creature was making ready to begin singing raised an involuntary feeling of dread in me. But before I could utter a word, a long, drawn-out, hardly audible, but pure and true note was quivering in my ears. It was followed by a second and a third. In the meadows, sang Lucaria, she sang the expression of her stony face unchanged even her eyes riveted on one spot but how touchingly tinkled out that poor struggling little voice that wavered like a thread of smoke how she longed to pour out all her soul in it i felt no dread now my heart throbbed with unutterable pity ah i can't she said suddenly i've not the strength i'm so upset with joy at seeing you she closed her eyes i laid my hand on her tiny chill fingers she glanced at me and her dark lids fringed with golden eyelashes closed again and were still as an ancient statues an instant later they glistened in the half darkness They were moistened by a tear. As before, I did not stir. How silly I am, said Lukeria suddenly with unexpected force and opened her eyes wide. She tried to wink the tears out of them. I ought to be ashamed. What am I doing? It's a long time since I have been like this. Not since that day when Vase Polikov was here last spring. While he sat with me and talked, I was all right but when he had gone away, how I did cry in my loneliness! Where did I get the tears from? But there, we girls get our tears for nothing. Master, added Luceria, perhaps you have a handkerchief? If you won't mind, wipe my eyes. I made haste to carry out her desire and left her the handkerchief. She refused it at first. What? Good, such a gift to me, she said. The handkerchief was plain enough, but clean and white. Afterwards she clutched it in her weak fingers and did not loosen them again. As I got used to the darkness in which we both were, I could clearly make out her features, could even perceive the delicate flush that peeped out under the coppery hue of her face, could discover in the face, so at least it seemed to me, traces of its former beauty you asked me master luceria began again whether i sleep i sleep very little but every time i fall asleep i've dreams such splendid dreams i am never ill in my dreams i'm always so well and young there's one thing sad i wake up and long for a good stretch and i am all as if i were in chains i once had such an exquisite dream shall i tell it to you well listen i dreamt i was standing in a meadow and all round me was rye so tall and ripe as gold and i had a reddish dog with me such a wicked dog it kept trying to bite me and i had a sickle in my hands not a simple sickle It seemed to be the moon itself, the moon as it is when it's the shape of a sickle. And with this same moon I had to cut the rye clean. Only I was very weary with the heat, and the moon blinded me, and I felt lazy. And cornflowers were growing all about, and such big ones, and they all turned their heads to me and I thought in my dream I would pick them. Vasa had promised to come, so I'd pick myself a wreath first. I'd still time to plait it. I began picking cornflowers, but they kept melting away from between my fingers. Do what I would. And I couldn't make myself a wreath. And meanwhile I heard someone coming up to me so close and calling, Lusha, Lusha, Ah, I thought, what a pity I hadn't time! No matter, I put that moon on my head instead of cornflowers, I put it on like a tiara, and I was all brightness directly, I made the whole field light around me, and behold, over the very top of the ears there came gliding very quickly towards me not Vase, but Christ Himself and how i knew it was christ i can't say they don't paint him like that only it was he no beard tall young all in white only his belt was golden and he held out his hand to me fear not said he my bride adorned follow me you shall lead the choral dance in the heavenly kingdom and sing the songs of paradise and how I clung to his hand. My dog at once followed at my heels, but then we began to float upwards. He in front, his wings spread wide over all the sky, long like a seagull's, and I after him. And my dog had to stay behind. Then only I understood that that dog was my illness and that in the heavenly kingdom there was no place for it. Lucaria paused a minute. And I had another dream, too, she began again. But maybe it was a vision? I really don't know. It seemed to me I was lying in this very shanty, and my dead parents, father and mother, come to me and bow low to me but say nothing. And I asked them, Why do you bow down to me, father and mother? Because, they said, you suffer much in this world, so that you have not only set free your own soul, but have taken a great burden from off us too. And for us in the other world it is much easier. You have made an end of your own sins. Now you are expiating our sins." And having said this, my parents bowed down to me again, and I could not see them. There was nothing but the walls to be seen. I was in great doubt afterwards what had happened with me. I even told the priest of it in confession. Only he thinks it was not a vision, because visions come only to the clerical gentry. And I'll tell you another dream. Lukerje went on i dreamt i was sitting on the high road under a willow i had a stick had a wallet on my shoulders and my head tied up in a kerchief just like a pilgrim woman and i had to go somewhere a long long way off on a pilgrimage and pilgrims kept coming past me they came along slowly all going one way Their faces were weary and all very much like one another. And I dreamt that moving about among them was a woman, a head taller than the rest, and wearing a peculiar dress, not like ours, not Russian. And her face too was peculiar, a worn face and severe, and all the others moved away from her. But she suddenly turns and comes straight to me she stood still and looked at me and her eyes were yellow large and clear as a falcon's and i ask her who are you and she says to me i'm your death instead of being frightened i was quite the other way i was as pleased as could be i crossed myself and the woman my death says to me I am sorry for you, Lucaria, but I can't take you with me. Farewell. Good God, how sad I was then. Take me, said I. Good mother, take me, darling. And my death turned to me and began speaking to me. I knew that she was appointing me my hour, but indistinctly, incomprehensibly after saint peter's day said she with that i awoke yes i have such wonderful dreams luceria turned her eyes upwards and sank into thought only the sad thing is sometimes a whole week will go by without my getting to sleep once Last year a lady came to see me, and she gave me a little bottle of medicine against sleeplessness. She told me to take ten drops at a time. It did me so much good, and I used to sleep. Only the bottle was all finished long ago. Do you know what medicine that was and how to get it?' The lady had obviously given Luceria opium. I promised to get her another bottle like it and could not refrain from again wondering aloud at her patience ah master she answered why do you say so what do you mean by patience there simon stylites now had patience certainly great patience for thirty years he stood on a pillar and another saint had himself buried in the earth right up to his breast and the ants ate his face And i'll tell you what i was told by a good scholar there was once a country and the ishmaelites made war on it and they tortured and killed all the inhabitants and do what they would the people could not get rid of them and there appeared among these people a holy virgin she took a great sword put on armor weighing eighty pounds went out against the Ishmaelites and drove them all beyond the sea. Only when she had driven them out, she said to them, Now burn me, for that was my vow, that I would die a death by fire for my people. And the Ishmaelites took her and burned her, and the people have been free ever since then. That was a noble deed. Now, but what am I? I wondered myself whence and in what shape the legend of Joan of Arc had reached her. And after a brief silence, I asked Luceria how old she was—twenty-eight or oh, nine. It won't be thirty. But why count the years? I've something else to tell you. Luceria suddenly gave a sort of choked cough and groaned. "'You are talking a great deal,' I observed to her. "'It may be bad for you.' "'It's true,' she whispered hardly audibly. "'It's time to end our talk. "'But what does it matter? "'Now, when you leave me, I can be silent as long as I like. "'Anyway, I've opened my heart.' "'I began bidding her good-bye.' I repeated my promise to send her the medicine and asked her once more to think well and tell me if there wasn't anything she wanted. I want nothing. I am content with all, thank God, she articulated with very great effort but with emotion. God give good health to all. But there, master, you might speak a word to your mamma. The peasants here are poor, If she could take the least bit off their rent they've not land enough and no advantages they would pray to God for you but I want nothing I'm quite contented with all I gave Lucaria my word that I would carry out her request and had already walked to the door she called me back again do you remember master she said and there was a gleam of something wonderful in her eyes and on her lips what hair I used to have. Do you remember? Right down to my knees. It was long before I could make up my mind to it. Such hair as it was. But how could it be kept combed? In my state. So I had it cut off. Yes. Well, good-bye, master. I can't talk any more. That day, before setting off to shoot, I had a conversation with the village constable about Luceria. I learned from him that in the village they called Luceria the living relic, that she gave them no trouble, however. They never heard complaint or repining from her. She asks nothing, but on the contrary she is grateful for everything, a gentle soul, one must say, if any there be. Stricken of God so the constable concluded for her sins one must suppose but we do not go into that and as for judging her no no we do not judge her let her be a few weeks later i heard that luceria was dead so her death had come for her and after st peter's day they told me that on the day of her death She kept hearing the sound of bells, though it was reckoned over five miles from Alexeyevka to the church, and it was a weekday. Lukeri, however, had said that the sounds came not from the church, but from above. Probably she did not dare to say, from heaven. End of a Living Relic